You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 654. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed. In this episode, Colin and I will provide some cap space scenarios and projections for the Spurs this offseason. Let's jump right into this episode for, with Colin. Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well myself. You know, it's it's now officially the, the offseason for the Spurs, and they got a long way to go. So Spurs cast listeners, you know, we're going to try to, um, you know, just talk with, with nothing going on with the team right now. We're going to talk about just different things every all this offseason. So I know right now I want to focus initially on what the caps, the cast based projections look like for the Spurs, even though things could change as we start figuring out who's going to, um, you know, what players are they giving qualifying offers to and what players are they going to release. And then, of course, what happens with the dra- those draft picks in the next two months uh, is also a big factor in you know, what decisions the Spurs make. So let's begin calling it. And so what we're really going to do Spurs cast listeners is we're really just going to break apart the team where it stands right now going into next, uh, into the summer when, when, when a free agency begins on July 1st. So we're going to first begin topic one is players on guaranteed deals. And, and like I've mentioned before in the, in the last few episodes, uh, if you want to see a lot of these, these numbers, uh, we are, we are providing them now in, um, in visual formats. So if you go to our YouTube page, our product Spurs network, YouTube, you will be able to see some of these slides that, that, that Colin and I look at. And again, it's, I know that I'm going to read a lot of numbers here, so so this is a little bit more um, uh, easier to read on the eyes instead of just listening uh, to all these different figures. So let's first talk about calling the players on guaranteed deals. And there's 11 players here, and this is and, and I'm going to talk about some specific players who aren't even on the team yet. So we have Dejounte Murray. He's 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 uh, he's entering this year. Uh, he's going to be making 16.5 million. Then you have Doug McDermott, who's making 13.7 million. Josh Richardson, 12.1 million. Uh, Jakob Pertl, 9.3 million. Romeo Langford, 5.6 million. Then the Spurs' projected ninth pick right now in the lottery it would make $4.9 million. So, again, that's a projected right there because that's not for sure. The Spurs can end up, you know, maybe they strike gold and they get the, the number one overall pick or then maybe they get a top four pick. Or maybe they don't do so well in the, in the lottery and they end up getting, you know, falling all the way back to like 12th or 14th, you know, just a, a very terrible draft position But for the lottery. But, again, that could happen. We just don't know. So, again, that's projected right now. That player would be $4.9 million. Uh, his salary in year one, and again, if, if the higher, if the if the pick is um lower, like in the top one through like eight, well then the salary is going to increase. If the picks uh, picks lower than ninth though, or falls behind ninth, then the salary will decrease. Uh, you got Devin Vassell then at four point four million, Josh Primo at four point one million, Keldon Johnson at three point eight million, and then recently something that we just learned was that the NBA did have the random drawing, um, and so um the Spurs will get the twentieth pick in the first round from the Toronto Raptors, and that that player will make two two point eight million. And then they are, they're also going to get the 25th pick from Boston, uh, and that player will earn 2.3 million if if that player gets drafted and then signs with the Spurs. So, Colin, what are your um, before we go to some of these notes about these players' contracts? What are some of your thoughts on on just these 11 players when you throw in the three draft picks? So I could I could be mistaken, but my <clears throat> understanding is just for kind of people to put it in the ledger of is the the league uh, rigged against the Spurs? I think the Toronto pick was a coin flip that was more favorable yes and the boston was like a three-way coin flip that was the least favorable if i if i'm understanding correctly that's um so yeah yeah that's it's one of them worked out well the other one maybe not so much um but with how well boston finished the season the 25th pick is honestly you know i I wasn't keeping track of the record all the way but i was like oh man like the spurs aren't really getting that great and the spurs sit out Detroit's second round pick in that deal if I'm remembering correctly right so like they they moved they really all they did was they they got Josh Richardson the pick swap in in 2028 Romeo Langford and they just moved up like six or seven spots in the draft with that pick um which 
I mean, you can do a little bit of like theory on that. Like that 31st pick is actually pretty valuable because mm-hmm. uh, you can sign a player to whatever contract. It doesn't have to be the rookie scale contract, but you know, 25 is still uh, significantly higher than 31 that you can find a quality player there. So it, it kind of goes around. Um, I think at first it was like, whoa, a first round pick. And then it's like, well, it's like seven spots higher. It's not like yeah. this brand new pick that wasn't existing before. Um, you know, looking at these contracts uh, and looking at, you know, if the Spurs pop with one of these picks or if they do get, you know, into the top four picks, then then they have something on their hands. But if they don't and they're still kind of in this like trying to see what they have with their players, but also trying to accumulate assets, trying to do a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. What I see with their contracts is that they're all at this perfect amount for making trades. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know when, when championship teams are trying to acquire just that like fifth piece what they are always missing is salaries that mm-hmm. are like the Romeo Langford level to the DeJounte Murray level, like perfectly. Like they they live for these kinds of contracts. And so the fact that the Spurs have them, uh, even though these players are like varying degrees of desirable, they can be really important to another team in terms of that other team actually landing a piece that could be very important. So the Spurs could be a part of an offseason move where they, they send one of these players out for assets. And it's not really a play for that other team to get that player, but it's maybe to convert that player to a like fifth player on a championship team at the trade deadline. And, and kind of when I see that, yeah, like I said, that Romeo Langford to the DeJounte Murray salary level, that's what teams are really looking for a lot of the times in terms of salary matching for trades. Yeah, so so my thoughts on this, just to, again, looking at the players on, on supposed to be guaranteed deals, is that, again, this is 11 players and the most you can take after training camp is 15. You have to cut down your your roster down to 15 players. Of course, you could t- add in the two the two G League players or two-way players. But again, that's why I really have questions of, you know, are they going to make some trades with some of these veteran players? Um, are they going to keep all three of those picks? I can I can I can already just see like 20 and 25 being packaged together or maybe them trading trading to like next year's draft trading with someone just for, you know, swapping picks for, for right now. Um you know, I think that that lottery pick they definitely keep. So, um, again, I think that's just what's what's interesting is that just looking at at the players right now on guaranteed salaries, there's already 11 players coming back is what this looks like right now. Again, if they take those those three picks, so so that's why I just feel like yeah, there's like all sorts of avenues, kind of what you just said. That all these players have perfect contracts. No one's you know getting overpaid. They don't have like a 20 plus million dollar player right now on their salary, like almost every single team in the league does. So it's just a, a very unique situation for them to be so flexible. And I do wonder again what roster space, you know, what what decisions they do make. Now let's talk about some some contract notes for some of these players, and and I, I do want to give uh, credit to ESPN's Bobby Marks. He writes these excellent um, off season articles every single year on all thirty teams. And so, of course, when the Spurs got knocked out of the playing tournament, well, then Bobby released his on the Spurs. So again, all this information does uh, pretty much come from Bobby. Uh, he notes some just some notables. Um, Kelton Johnson is extension eligible until the final day before the regular season begins. So that's about mid-October. And Colin, you mentioned this two weeks ago uh, on the Spurs cast, that, that that was something to, to watch. Now, Bobby has noted that in the past, the only two players that the Spurs have recently um, uh, you know, signed these rookie extensions to were Derek White and DeJounte Murray. Again, they let Lonnie Walker go into, he said he go into restricted free agency. They let Jakob Pertl go into restricted free agency, and then it ended up working out for them. They got a very team-friendly contract with Jakob. Uh, and then other players, you know, they've let just walk away at, at times. So again, uh, they have until the final day before the regular season. And in the past, if they do sign Kelden, Bobby notes that, you know, they did that. They did it basically the, the eve before um, on signing Derek White and DeJounte Murray. They, they waited all the way to October, basically, to, to get that done. Uh, right now, Bobby is projecting uh, Kelden's annual salary to be about that $18 million range. So again, if he were to sign an extension, that's kind of where it looks like. And again, he fits right in there, Colin, like you mentioned, with the players who, who are making less than $20 million on this team. Um 
if there's no extension for Keldon, well, then he will become a restricted free agent next offseason. Uh, DeJounte Murray is eligible right now to sign a three-year $95.2 million extension per, per Bobby up until the last day of the regular season. So they have basically up until April of next year now to sign DeJounte to a three-year extension, uh, considering he just made the All-Star team. And then Yaka Pertle can sign a four-year uh, $61.5 million extension, according to Bobby right now. Uh, so did you have any any thoughts, uh, Colin, about some of these um, you know future roster moves that they were to make some of these um, extensions? Yeah, I think, you know, in a vacuum, thinking of having Keldon Johnson, the player, especially the player who uh, was performing at the level that he was after the trade deadline on that deal, like that sound, sounds like a win to me overall. Like, like that sounds like something that a team would be down for. Mm-hmm. Um, my difficulty with this, and, and I'm sure that as you've been looking through these contracts too, it's hard to to know what is a good or bad decision when you don't really know what the team's objectives are. Like, yeah. are, are they are they trying to build a championship core through the draft? Are they trying to make the play in every year? Like, are they trying to see if this core can have home court advantage in the play? Like, we have no idea what they're even looking for. Like, if if they're yeah. happy with like the six to ten seed then like keep things going as they are. But um, if they want, you know, if they want to push higher in the near term, which I think might be a mistake, or if they want to push lower, then like some of these deals are hard. Cause like we, we know how good Keldon did play for the Spurs, but like, is he, is he pushing you to that home court advantage in the playoffs type of level with just him alone? Is he helping you get a lottery pick? No, like he's too good for that too. So a lot of these moves are really difficult for me because I'm not quite sure what the Spurs are aiming for. If they're aiming for what they've gotten the last couple of years, then like I think that's a perfect extension for them. I just I'm wondering like at what point do they set their sights on something different than the eighth to tenth seed here? Yeah, I'm really struggling right now with whether it's almost like the Lonnie question from just a year ago. We we kept up until the deadline, we were kind of debating is Lonnie going to get the extension or not. And it's kind of like what you just said, you know, I, I kind of just, you know, what are the, what is their team goals? You know, we know Pop said this was a rebuilding year. He kind of said that multiple times, but even though their, their aim, the players was to get into that, you know, get into the playoffs or slash play in tournament. So they made, they at least did that part. They didn't get into the full playoffs. They were very disappointed with that. And so I, 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 I hear what you're saying there. It's just like, you know, and, and more teams will have cap space next off season. So do they, do they want to take that gamble? But again, it would really be a, um, you know, a, 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 a bet on the Spurs as part of like, if we, if they don't give them the extension, well, and they let him go into restricted free agency. Are, are they sure that no team's going to offer a big, big offer sheet to him? Mm. And I just feel like if he doesn't make the all-star team this coming season, then yeah, I just don't think that's going to happen. And right now I don't see, yes, I see him improving and, and getting, going up a level, but I'm not sure quite yet from what I've seen, especially with, with DeJounte being the, the main playmaker on this team, uh, that he's, that he's ready to jump next season immediately to an all-star level again. Again, maybe it happens, maybe it does, but I, I can't tell right now based on what I've seen. I know that he's improving. He had a really good stretch from basically the trade deadline on to the end of the season. But I don't know if that's still yet at the all-star level for him. So, you know, in, in the Western Conference. So, again, that's something where I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they if they do give it to him. But then I also wouldn't be shocked if they don't. Like, I just can't. It, it can go either way at this point. I really, you know, just because of his age and, and you know, and you have him right now that if, if it's like in the $18 million range, like Bobby's projecting there, I, I think maybe maybe you do, you do do it just because he's, 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 like he's showing improvement every season, especially the fact that he's their best three-point shooter right now. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe you do at that salary, $18 million is not too bad. If it was if it's north of 20 maybe I, I wouldn't. I'd be more hesitant. Uh, did you have any um, other uh, comments about this? Yeah, I, I think that's actually a really interesting thing. Um, I, I think the, the more we talk about it, the more I think I would let it go into the season and let mm-hmm. this be a challenge year. 
You know, if the mm-hmm. Spurs end up having to pay Kelton a little bit more, that's okay. But I think my big thing here is he had historically been a pretty average or below average three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. He started last season that way. And then he had this big explosion where he's hitting all of his shots. And we have seen in the NBA that players can have like these five or six month stretches where they're shooting really well. And like they have it once in their career. Um, so I think shooting, because it is such a uh like it's it's a skill that can like be so variable within like a smaller sample size even of one season i think you need to see it several seasons in a row to believe that that's real and and if he is that three-point shooter he is incredibly valuable to the team but i i for me i i am worried that it is a one season kind of anomaly Mm -hmm. and i think that the spurs need to have the answer to that question before they commit 18 million dollars to him and if they have yeah. to pay more next offseason, I think so be it. But that that's such an important part of his value right now that if, if it was a one-season fluke, then then the extension would look like a mistake at that point. And I also like why, why I'd also be hesitant to give it to him is just defensively, I don't know what the what his upside is there. Like, you know, he's 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 like 6'6", so he's he's undersized, uh, especially at the position that Pop plays him. Uh, and, and so what if they go into the offseason and what if they end up getting a really good draft pick and they, they, they draft someone who's like a really good four, so that person ends up starting? Or what if they make a trade for someone, you know, uh, or, or, or sign a free agent? Again, if they have plans at the four, and then maybe they don't they don't do as much small ball. You know, is Kelton really going to be the player they wanted at the three, or did maybe Devin Vassell takes the leap, and then you want him at your three? And then you know, so um, I just think that, and then maybe Josh Primo is your two, and you know, you got Dejounte there at the one. So again, positionally, defensively, I, I, again, I don't know if if the eighteen million if that's going to be something they want to do right now, especially with all the different moves they could do to, to get better. Because you know, we know that they're going to want to crash the glass next year because that's when they all talked about the players. Coach Pop talked about it. Rebounding was a huge issue for this team. And I think that's definitely something they're going to target in this offseason, whether it's through the draft, through free agency, or through trades. So again, I think right now, again, where I'm at, I just, I, 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 I just, I'm a little bit more hesitant. Like, like, kind of like how I understand you are, from what I can tell by your comments. So, yeah, I mean, like, like I think we both wouldn't be surprised if they did give him the extension. So, yeah. just because of the way he played uh, down the stretch there, plus because of how young he is. All right, so now let's go into our, our second topic, Colin here, and this is uh, the um, players on non-guaranteed deals. So these players. Uh, do you have deadlines for the Spurs to 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 to, to make a decision on them um, this offseason before before their their contracts become guaranteed? And so um, there's four players in the, in, the, in this group. So now you know if they were to guarantee all these players, well now hey your team's full. You have 15 players when you talk about the 11 before. So let's first start off with the, um, Zach Collins. Uh, his 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 guarantee date is June 24th for this coming season. So he's he's expected to make 7.3 million as long as he's on the roster past June 24th. Uh, he will get that full 7.3. If they were to waive him before June 24th. Well, then he still gets a partially guaranteed three point six million. So, so that's that's Zach's case. I feel like he played well enough where I think they're going to guarantee him. Um, I think they like what they saw from him, uh, especially as a big off the bench. Um, uh, you know, as a backup five to Jakob Pertl. Uh Kata Bates' job. Uh, he's gonna he's he he's a non guaranteed one point eight million. Um, his contract does guarantee on the first day of the regular season. So this is about mid October again, the first day before the regular season starts. He's a player who I'm not so sure. I just I, I wouldn't be you know, surprised if they let him go. Uh, just because maybe they can give those minutes like one of these draft picks that they're gonna that they're gonna draft, or you, you know, there's I just feel like there's more there's more um, opportunity for other player players, um, uh, uh, you know, aside from Bates' job. Trey Jones has a 1.7 million dollars um, uh, non guaranteed right now. Uh, his his contract becomes fifty five hundred thousand dollars guaranteed on August first. So again, August first is the deadline just for the five hundred thousand dollar guarantee, and then I think they have to like either the full of next season or else like at least like January tenth next season to to make the to make that decision on him. 
I do expect Trey Jones to be back because again, he's kind of he's kind of continued to get better. We know that something he started doing right at the end of the season was was his three point shot. He knows that's his weakness, and he started to address that a little bit more. And then Jock Landale, uh, one point five million. He has non guaranteed. Uh, and there's no guarantee date for Landale, so I think at any point next season they can just basically waive him, and it wouldn't affect him until unless he remains on the team all year. It was a little tricky for me. I just don't. Again, he didn't get, get minutes once Zach Collins got healthy. Pop did experiment with using more as a backup four, so he and he liked that. He said just because he got to play more, so like he got to you know be next to Yaka Pertle and Zach Collins in different lineups. So I feel like maybe that's that's just a, an avenue they want to keep open in case they want to go uh, big at times in lineups. What are your thoughts, Colin, on these four players? Yeah, I think. Um, the Zach Collins experiment was a success. Like I'd be surprised if, if he didn't come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then same, same with Trey Jones. He was such a key part to like their mm-hmm. rotation at the end of the season that it'd be surprising if he didn't come back. Um, I think Josh Richardson makes uh, KBD a little bit redundant, especially because like Josh Richardson came in and like once he really started playing in the rotation was doing that role, like just at such a high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the guarantee date means that you could bring him into training camp and then yeah. make the decision then like that that's that's exactly. a lot easier than one of these like if if KBD had um Trey Jones uh guarantee date then that would be a little bit more difficult and i feel like he probably wouldn't be with the team next season but the fact that it does go into training camp i do, do think helps him and uh Landale i that one is hard as well uh but with the no guarantee date if they don't need that 1.5 for anything, there's not really a danger in bringing it into yeah. camp. So I, I think, uh, you know, unless something big happens this offseason, I would imagine that all four of those players are at training camp. But, I, you know, if, if only Collins and Trey Jones make it to the main roster after that, I would not be surprised at that point either. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I, I, let me see. So I guess, I guess if I had to phrase it that way as well, like basically, um, you know, going into camp, I do expect all four of those players there. Like, cause just because like you made a great point there about uh, Bates jobs, uh, guarantee date because they have that, that flexibility until mid October. I think that, yeah, that maybe he's competed with the younger player for like that last you know starting spot or that, that last spot on the roster, not starting spot, but that last spot on the roster. So again, those are, those are where the non-guarantee players stand. Uh, there's four players. So again, if they were to bring you all four of those players back, you have a roster of 15 players. And that's it. Your roster is full. We haven't even got to the free agents, which we're about to talk about here in a soon, but before we get to the free agents, Colin, let's, let's listen to a word from our sponsors. The NBA playoffs mean next level basketball. Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, each day of the first round, get a risk free. Bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. So now, Colin, um, you know, the last the last players we're going to talk about here are the free agents, the players going into free agency. And, and there's really one main player here 
uh, who, who's like the, the, the who's going to get a lot of the attention um, for, for the Spurs this offseason. That's Lonnie Walker the fourth. So there are five players going into free agency this offseason. We have Lonnie the Walker the fourth, who has a thirteen point three million dollar cap hold on the Spurs' salary sheet. And so again, Spurs cast listeners, um, cap holds just mean that uh, on, you know until you renounce that cap hold or that player signs with another team, that player is on your books for now. They're not going to make thirteen point three million, but right now there's a little slot on the cap sheet for that hold of thirteen point three million dollars, and and and, 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 and um, you know allows the team to be over the cap and resign that player uh, for for um, you know an amount there uh, if they wanted to. So again, it stays on the roster sheet, the salary cap sheet, until you either renounce it as a team or that player um, signs re- resigns with you or they sign elsewhere. So again, so for now, all these cap holds do stay on uh, for for these players. So Lonnie's got the biggest cap hold at thirteen point three million. You have Devontae Kaycock uh, with the two million dollar cap hold um joe Wieskamp, a 1.8 million dollar cap hold dj stewart jr um a 1.6 million dollar cap hold and then robert woodard the second with a 1.6 million dollar cap hold as well uh just some notes on all three of the all five of these players should i say is uh june 29th is the final day for the first to tender these players qualifying offers so what that means is that um if the spurs want to make any of these players restricted free agents they have to tender them a qualifying offer lonnie's um is 6.3 million um and then the other players all stay at their salary right there and so what this does is it gives it gives the the player I mean the player becomes a restricted free agent. So once free agency begins and you know negotiations start, let's say Lonnie wanted to sign with another team, that team gives Lonnie an offer sheet, and then that that team that offer sheet gets to the Spurs, and they have forty eight hours to either decide are we going to match it and keep Lonnie at those terms, or are we going to decline it, and then now Lonnie can go sign elsewhere. So that's kind of uh, how how restricted free agency works. For, uh, and then um, Stewart and Woodard's cap holds are for two way contracts, according to Bobby Marks. So I, you know, again, the, the big name here is Lonnie. Um, you know, what are your thoughts, Colin, on on these players? Uh, you know, do, well, yeah, just guess, guess what are your what are your initial thoughts on these five players? So, I I'm interested to see what happens with um, Lonnie, mm-hmm. just because, um, like, in a situation last year, even with um, uh, some of the restricted free agents that were not maybe happy with their current situation, it still took them quite a while to find a home. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for that is because um, you, it's difficult for a team to sign a player of like Lonnie's value to a contract early on in the offseason and tie up that much cap space mm-hmm. um, for two days. And yeah. so I... I would not be surprised if we get into free agency and the Spurs say, oh, you know what? We had offered um, Lonnie a qualifying offer, but, you know, we want him to be able to find the best deal out there for him. So we're going to rescind the qualifying offer so he can be a free agent and go find what he needs. Because I think at some point, um, I, I just don't know where he fits on this team. I don't know kind of what this team is trying to do, like we said. Uh, but I, I, I am personally expecting him not to be back. And if a team doesn't bite on him quickly, I think that they do want that $13.3 million cap hold to do something with whatever that might be, whether that's like salary dump from another team and getting some assets along the way or something. But I think if it's taking a, a, another team a while to bite on that, they rescind the qualifying offer and let him be an unrestricted free agent and find uh, the deal he needs to find. With the other players, it, it is kind of hard. Um, do you know with, with, Wies camp. Okay, so he only had one year of a two-year deal, but he got converted to a full contract. Could he go back to a two-year deal, or is that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too too familiar. I have to. I would yeah. have to look that up. Yeah. So I, I, I do wonder. I have a hard time imagining 
him being one of the 15 unless mm-hmm. there's like not like a whole lot of other prospects at that point. Uh, but I could see him being a two-way guy if that was within the rules. I know you have two years of two-way eligibility. So if he is eligible to be a two-way again, even though he had a full NBA contract, I could see him coming back on a two-way again. But um, those are really the only two players I have strong opinions on. The other ones are yeah. kind of like those training camp things where, yeah, yeah. Y- you know, they come into camp and if they work out, they work out. But if not, um, you know, whatever other like fringe NBA player, or international player will make that spot instead kind of thing. Okay. So my thought on uh, first on Lonnie is, um, you know, I just don't understand who they're, co- I don't, I don't know who they're competing with for him. You know, I, there's like maybe three or four teams that are going to have real, like, like real cast days past the, the mid-level exception. And so I really feel like, it's almost going to be that Kyle Anderson question from a few years ago when Kyle left the Spurs. He went to Memphis. He signed, you know, there with for the MLE. They gave him the full mid level exception, and I really feel like that's what Lonnie's. You know, that's a that's a teams are going to offer him that. You know, uh, I I can't see him getting past the MLE just because there's not a lot of free agents, and then the the, the, the marquee free agents are going to get a little bit more, uh, you know, of that cap space that's available. So I really feel like it's going to be in the Spurs' decision. If again, if he gets offered from another team the, the mid level exception, uh, maybe three or four years. I, I do wonder if the Spurs are going to just decide, you know, that's where it comes to that Kyle Anderson question for the Spurs. Are, are, are they going to match it and just keep them at that rate at that, that amount? Or are they going to just um, decline it and then let them walk in? You brought up a great point, Colin, is that after about five or 10 days of free of restricted free agency, the team can rescind the qualifying offer where they pull it, like you mentioned, and then that player becomes a unrestricted free agent. So I, I could definitely see that happening. Um, as far as Lonnie coming back, I mean, that would be really, it would just be really strong from the Spurs that they, they really liked his performance after um, the trade deadline when he got a little bit more opportunity. He was a little bit more consistent. Uh, but but again, I, I just don't know long-term what, what his role will be on this team. I could see him be as like, like that six-man scorer, but again, like defensively, there's just, they're just I don't know. I'm just not, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm just not as sold that they're going to bring it back right now. Maybe they do, but 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 again, right now, from what I've seen, I, I feel like they, they might want to do something different uh, uh, there on, on the bench uh, with him. Um, that position, so I say. And then uh, also out of those, those players, you know, I don't have strong opinions either of a lot of those players, but I would just say Wieskamp is the player to watch just because I feel like, um, you know, he got a little bit more opportunity in San Antonio. I know it was, it was a lot of garbage minutes, but there was still a reason why uh, I think they, they drafted him second. They gave him initially a two-way, then then they converted him to an NBA, and they gave him a little bit more opportunity. And I, I don't know who the player was that I mentioned it here on the Spurs cast before. I think it was like Kelton or somebody basically said, like, he's like one of their best shooters on the team, even though he can't show it because he doesn't play that much with San Antonio. But I really feel like maybe if they want him to develop in, into in, uh, into um, you know the, one of their prime shooters, uh, th- that's a player they might want to continue to have on the roster. You know, maybe at the 14th or 15th spot, especially considering this is still an issue for the team is that they're a very low volume three point shooting team, and you need to keep as many possibilities of a shooter out there uh, as you can. So again, um, I, yeah, yeah, those are the, kind of my thoughts on, on those players um, going into free a restricted free agency. A lot of them could be restricted free agents, even though I don't think a lot of them will be. And again, there's five players there, so they definitely can't bring back all five players because then your team's like at 18 now you know at, at that point all right so now colin let's talk about the um you know now that we've kind of again sports guesses we've broken down all of the different um you know the players from guaranteed players to uh, non-guaranteed players and then all the way to the free agents so now let's talk about the different early avenues the spurs can go in regarding their cap space so we're gonna go through a, a few scenarios here um Let's just say the Spurs brought everybody back. Well, that's going to be impossible. I mean, it's not impossible, but you know, it's just it's it's just not going to happen. And the reason why we say that is because that would be twenty players. We brought everyone back from last season plus the new draft picks. That would be just eight point seven million dollars in cap space if you're the Spurs. So they're not going to do that. We can cross that 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 um that scenario out. Now let's just say that this is just a little bit more realistic. Maybe they they bring they they use those three picks. They bring Vic Lonnie, or they at least keep his cap hold on the book. 
and then they uh they they keep they bring back all the non-guaranteed players this is you know trey jones uh um the, uh, you know landale kata bates job and uh zach collins so now that's 16 players your roster's already over again and you have 15.8 million dollars in cap space let's say that they let lonnie walk and all the other free agents they keep the three picks and they keep all the players on non-guaranteed deals in this scenario your your team's still full now you have 15 players and you but you do have 29 million dollars in cap space the, the last two scenarios, let's say that they keep all three picks. They keep only Trey Jones and Zach Collins. That means you have 13 players with two open roster spots. And now you got $32.6 million. So you, you have $32 million here. And then the last scenario is what is their maximum cap space? What's the most cap space the Spurs could open uh, if they keep the three picks only? So they, again, this requires them waiving Zach Collins, Trey Jones, letting all the free agents walk. This would be 11 players on your roster and you have $37 million in cap space. And so... Just again, so so basically, their, their avenues for cap space are basically about like I'd say it's twenty nine to about thirty seven million. If you keep Lonnie involved, then it's about fifteen sixty million. Um, what's his cap hold? So just again, we're not saying that the Spurs are linked to any of these players. We're just saying you know who are some some of the notable names out there, the marquee free agents right now are going to be DeAndre Ayton, who's a restricted free agent. What would his max be? His max would be thirty point five million. So you so you're able to cover that uh, in, in some of these different scenarios. Uh, Zach Levine is an unrestricted free agent. Um, uh, he's one of the marquee names out there, one of the big name players. Uh, his his max would be thirty six point six million. So the way you get to his is either letting some trading some players, um, opening up as much cap space as you can, or maybe trading some of those picks again. So there's different avenues to to, to get a player like not get a player, but you know offer a player like Zach Levine a max contract. And then the last player, uh, uh, again, just because he's, he's he's a big name here in, in the free agent group is Bradley Beal. Uh, he does have a player option, so he's not a free agent just yet. He would have to decline that player option. But if Beal were to decline the player option with Washington and then become an unrestricted free agent, well, then what would it take to play, sign a player like him? That would be forty-two point seven million. So that would that would require the Spurs again, not only letting go of everybody and, and um, you know and letting all the free agents go and opening up that thirty-seven million, but then they'd have to make additional trades to even get in that ballpark to get to that forty-two point seven million. So again, that one probably looks very unrealistic. But Colin, what are your thoughts on just the different avenues they can go and and again just so, um. Uh, again, we're not reporting that the Spurs are linked to these players, these free agents, but that's kind of if they wanted to get a player like like that or offer them at least a max offer sheet, this is the scenarios. Yeah, it's um, I think what's interesting to me is the idea of they could be linked to these players in the offseason, mm-hmm. but not because they're going to sign them themselves, but because if a team wants to sign them. They could help facilitate that by taking on bad contracts that that team has right now so that that team can open up the space to sign these players. And that I feel like, you know, this is something a rebuilding team does. And I know it is not something that maybe is exciting to a lot of people, but I think that that would be a good offseason if they are able to get two or three assets from teams because they took on, you know, contracts that didn't work for those teams. So those teams could make signings despite the fact that there's only like five or six teams with cap space this offseason. I think that the Spurs working as kind of a salary dump team mm-hmm. for other teams is maybe the best outcome. And because there's a several marquee free agents on the market, but there aren't a whole lot of teams with cap space, those free agents, I don't see any of them coming to the Spurs. But the Spurs could be the, the San Antonio leverages and uh, be the team that helps create that space for another team to make a run at some of these players. Um, and I, I think that's the best case scenario. And I think, you know, the Bradley Beal thing, if I have no idea why Bradley Beal would want to come to the Spurs, but let's say he did, um, you know, you had talked about trading the 20th and 25th pick for like a future pick. 
that that could be one way of getting closer. You still wouldn't get to 42, and that just kind yeah. of shows you the difficulty there. Um, yeah. So so I don't. To me, I think I think they want to have cap space open so they can do these deals. Luckily, with a lot of their non guarantees, if they need to make a deal like this, they can just waive that non guarantee player and make this kind of deal. But I, I think that's their best case scenario in the offseason, and that is the best way they could be linked to one of these players. I think signing any of these players doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for the, the Spurs. And I, I think mm-hmm. like Bradley Beal is basically coming from the exact same situation yeah. in Washington. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Zach Levine would be leaving a better situation in Chicago in terms of like on court talent at this point. Um so yeah, I, I think it's good that these players are out there because they could help the Spurs get some assets, but I don't think that the Spurs are going to be targeting any of them. But I do think that leaving open a good amount of cap space so that they can take on bad contracts uh, or unwanted contracts for assets, I think, uh, is going to be an important part of their offseason. So so my thoughts on that is very similar to yours, except in, in a little bit in, in a different direction, is like looking at these amounts, you know, eight, uh, like 15 million, you know, 29 million, 37 million. The reason why I think that's important is because if the Spurs have somebody they missed out on in past off seasons that maybe they want to try to trade for, I do feel like that's more of an, a, an opportunity now because, um, you know, you could package some of those picks. Maybe you could package one of the younger players. Um, so, so I feel like that's more of an opportunity. So like, just again, I'm not reporting that, that they have any interest, but let's just say that they really did want John Collins last season. And we know that he signed with, and maybe he's not happy after this, after this year's playoff sense. Well then, Hey, maybe the Spurs explore trying to trade for him. Well, then it makes it a little bit easier because, um, Again, they can absorb his salary with all that cap space that they have opened up, and then of course they would just take about it would it would be about you know what is it what would Atlanta Atlanta want in return? Would they want you know anything from San Antonio in return? So again, I just feel like there's more trade avenue possibilities, and kind of what you said, you know, they could definitely be a, a leverage team for for uh, some of these um, marquee free agents. And also, I would also say one thing I thought you were going to say was um if we do see some stuff like you know maybe Aiden's uh, linked to the Spurs or, or Levine or Beal, it's probably because they're trying to drive up their their rank, their, their yeah. agents are trying to get the Spurs they're trying to link the Spurs' name in there to say. Hey, San Antonio might offer Max, you know, just to get the other teams that they really want to go to, maybe uh, to to try to, um, you know, to, to, uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, increase their, their their offers as well. So again, we could see reporting like that in the offseason. So again, there's all sorts of different ways um, that the Spurs can go, and and just like we've kind of noted here, is just like all these different scenarios is that like the Spurs' roster is almost full already going into this offseason. Like it's it's very much like very almost close to full again. You, have, you can only max out at 15 players by the time the regular season starts and then two two-way players, so 17 max. And so they're very close to those numbers already in these scenarios, uh, whether they bring Lonnie back or not. So or, and a lot of these non-guaranteed players. So again, I think that's just something interesting to watch. And so, yeah, Spurs cast listeners, that's all kind of that was. Again, it's just an initial call. And I just want to kind of give you all an initial background of what the team looks like off um financially going into this offseason we know that again like once we once the draft happens and, and the actual lottery we'll know we'll know more um you know um uh, exactly what the what the numbers will show and then of course as we get closer to that july 1st of free agency we're going to see you know we'll start seeing more reports about who the spurs might be interested in yada yada or maybe they have interest in trading for so again we'll, we'll get more details of course uh, as the as the offseason goes along we just wanted to give you all an initial um, projection of what this team's um, different pathways could look like this offseason and it'll be very interesting because like we, we both don't know you know what is the overall goal of this team is it to become a, a, a top you know six playoff team like like colin was mentioning or is it still to kind of rebuild and get those assets and kind of keep developing these young guys so again we, we just don't know at this point so uh before we close out this episode don't forget to visit projectspurs.com um and of course any off-season news that that's out there regarding san antonio spurs we'll make sure to, to put on the site uh also you know with the draft coming up that's that's the next big thing for the spurs um benjamin bornstein is getting prepared with the spurs prospect watch series so continue to check out ben's work 
Thanks uh, to Colin for joining me here on this episode of the Spurs Cast, and also thanks to Joe Garcia for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.